0: Again, and but it's working now, so I think we are good. Um, I feel like it's really, really loud. Is it just me? It's okay, okay, all right, I can get over it. So glad you're here. Thank you for being on this journey with me as we study the life of Daniel um, in the book of Daniel. As you probably know, when you're the one teaching, you're the one that learns the most. So I hope you've learned a little, but I want to say I have learned so much in my study. And I want to say publicly thank you to Pastor Don for allowing me the opportunity to teach this because I've just really enjoyed it. And I hope that tonight as we conclude with Daniel chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead. You didn't get your paper. Vicki has the papers, I think. Okay. Anybody else need a paper? Hey. All right, we're good. Um, So, Daniel chapter 6, and um, it's a very, very, very familiar story, very familiar story, probably the one you learned growing up as a child, but hopefully we'll learn a bit more about Daniel and his experience in the lion's den. So, let's pray together and we'll get started. Ready? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time together thank you for presentations that work and um, just the way that you can calm our hearts when we get flustered. And I pray that you would speak to us tonight through your word and through our conversation. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, on your page on that right-hand side, if few of you are new to us today, on that right-hand side, those are the things that... That We have learned over the last several weeks and the blanks that you'll fill in tonight. So each week we've learned one thing about the culture of the day that parallels our culture, two things about Daniel the man, and then three things, most importantly, about the Lord. So what we've learned, the past weeks are there, and then the blanks are what we'll fill in tonight. Last week we ended chapter 5 with the co-regent Belshazzar being attacked Babylon being overtaken by Darius the Mede. And our timeline said it happened in 539 BC. Well, most scholars believe that the events that we'll talk about tonight also happened in 539 BC. Um, <coughs> if so I think that's on your handout. So if Daniel was, do you remember how old he was when he was taken, when he was exiled to Babylon? Who remembers? Good, 16 to 18, and how old would he be then now in the, in 539 B.C.? You do the math, or just maybe, you know? 70s? 70s. 70s. Yes, sir, now, and <laughs> not right now. <laughs> Thank you, Chuck. Uh, yes, uh, yeah. yes. I <laughs> think he'd be his mid-80s. If he was 16 to 18, he'd be 80-ish. Um, and um, so he was an older man. He'd lived in Babylon for a long, long time. Kay? He'd served the various kings for over 65 years. We listed them all last week. There were a lot of them, and now Darius was in power. In a word about Darius, historians have not found any evidence outside of Scripture or any citations outside of Scripture for Darius as a king In this time period. So that's kind of brought up two schools of thought. One is that Darius and Cyrus are the same person. That Cyrus is just called Darius in some places and called Cyrus in some. And Cyrus is the one that eventually lets the exiles go back to Jerusalem. Cyrus the Great. Lots of uh, history about him. But um, others think that Darius was appointed by Cyrus to rule. And if you read that final verse in Daniel chapter 5, that's where they're getting it and kind of what I think, too. Uh, Darius the Mede received the kingdom, it says, at the end of the events of chapter 5, being about 62 years old. So if, if he received the kingdom, that makes it seem like he was appointed or he was given the opportunity to rule. Many see that as evidence that he was given the kingdom as the, to rule by Cyrus the Great. Regardless, we know that the events of chapter 6 happened shortly after Darius came to power. And indeed, it was really in the midst of Darius' reorganization efforts that this story began. So let's read verses 1 through 3 of chapter 6. Daniel had another new king, another new challenge. Once again, Daniel did what he'd been doing since the beginning of our story. He shined. He showed himself. He showed that an excellent spirit, evidence of the Lord, was within him. And he distinguished himself above all the rest. So much so that this new ruler planned to put him over the entire kingdom, over all the 120 satraps. A satrap is uh, an Aramaic word that just means protector of the kingdom. So the way it worked was the king chose to divide his kingdom into 120 regions or areas. And he put protectors, satraps, over them. It was a governor type of role. He grouped 40 regions, 40 governors together, and put one high official over each group of 40. But even after doing that reorganization effort... He thought Daniel needed to be above all of them. So let's keep reading. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regards to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his god so a plot arose the other satraps and the high officials they didn't like the fact that this guy this exile this hebrew named daniel was going he was the king's favorite and he was going to be placed over all of them they were jealous and they thought we'll do something about it let's find something that we can accuse him of they searched and they searched and they could find no fault in him. Nothing unless unless it had something to do with his God, that God of Daniels. Wouldn't you like that to be said about you? (laughs) May we be so innocent before the world that the only thing they can accuse us of, their only chance of bringing us down is that we were faithful to our God. Those plotting against him knew their only chance of bringing him down was to put his fidelity up g- to God over his faithfulness to the king. So they made a plan to trick Daniel and indeed to trick Darius over just that type of thing. Let's keep reading. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, "O oh, King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any God or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians. Which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Okay, I want us to look at three things in this chunk. First, it says the high officials and satraps came by agreement. Sounds reasonable, doesn't it? Well, there's a bit more to it than that. Look at the wording, or let's look at the wording for came by agreement. It's an Aramaic word, regash, maybe. I don't know exactly how it's pronounced, maybe. Um, And it means to be in tumult, to gather in a tumultuous throng, to show tumultuousness, or to come thronging. In other words, they came making a scene. And they pled before the king to make this new ordinance. Let me read it with that kind of understanding. Or at least the first sentence. Then these high officials and satraps came tumultuously thronging before the king and said to him, Oh, King Darius, live forever. I wonder if they thought if they made a big enough deal about it that maybe the king wouldn't even question what they were asking, what they were really asking. I think it was a misdirection on their part. Next, the passage says, All the high officials, the prefects and satraps, all agreed that the king should make this law. Is that true? Some of them, them, namely, (laughs) Daniel. Surely Daniel would not come in agreement with this. We know his character. No, some of them were not consulted. They flat out lied to the king. It wasn't all of them. It was those who were thronging before him. So, first they misdirected him, then they lied to him, and then the actual request. The request was, for 30 days, no one could petition a man or a god for anything except the king. You know, I've read this story so many times, I don't think I ever noticed that it said that no one could petition any god or man. I think that was part of their strategy. They were trying to get Daniel They knew he wouldn't worship a man. So why didn't they just say no one can petition any other god? Well, because it was for Darius. They had to put both of those in there for Darius. It concealed that they were really after this man who was worshiping the Hebrew god. They made it sound more like a governmental type thing. That Darius Darius was supposed to be revered exclusively for the next 30 days. And Darius fell for it. He even agreed to the terrible punishment of being thrown in the lion's den. This three-tiered approach, misdirection, lying, and concealment, I think reveals something about the culture, something we see today as well. So here's your first blank. It's for the culture. The culture was deceitful. Deceitful. I want to read to you a definition and some synonyms for deceitful and as i do i want you to consider how this describes what we just read about okay how it describes what happened with the when they came before him deceitful guilty of or involving deceit deceiving or misleading others dishonest these are the synonyms dishonest untruthful lying insincere False, unscrupulous, disingenuous, scheming, conniving, underhanded, shady. <laughs> Describes what happened there, didn't it? But now I want to read that same thing again. This time I want you to think of those words and consider evidence of that in our own culture. Okay, ready? Ready? Guilty of or involving deceit, deceiving or misleading others, dishonest, untruthful, lying, insincere, false, unscrupulous, disingenuous, scheming, conniving, underhanded, shady. Describes us pretty well, doesn't it? We live in a deceitful culture where truth is hard to find in the midst of the unscrupulous, underhanded dishonesty that's just so prevalent among us. So what do we do? Well, what did Daniel do? Let's keep reading. When Daniel knew lost my place. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Daniel did what he always did. He went to God alone in this deceitful culture, having lived among desecration, paganism, self-absorption, Daniel turned to his heavenly father in prayer. He openly defied the ordinance. And I say openly because, look, it says he went where he had windows in his upper chamber open. He didn't try to hide it. He didn't conceal. His windows were open. He went up, and like he always did, and with open windows, he prayed. And that's a blank. Daniel was prayerful. He knew where his strength came from. So when faced with quite possibly the greatest challenge of his life, he prayed. And and it doesn't say he worried or he fretted or he ran to his friends or the other exiles. It simply says when he knew the law was signed, he went to his house and he prayed like he always did. And don't miss what it says about that time in prayer. Look at the verse again. It says he gave thanks. We don't know anything else about what that prayer included. But we do know that he gave thanks. I think Daniel knew what Paul told the church at Philippi roughly 600 years later. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think you will agree that Daniel had much he could have been anxious about, and yet he prayed with thanksgiving. God commands us to do that, first of all, because he's worthy of our thanks. But I also think it takes our focus off the mess we're in and puts our eyes back on the faithfulness of God. I wonder what Daniel thanked God for. Was it his successes? Perhaps it was his protection? Maybe it was the wisdom and the prophetic gifts that God had given him? I think most of all, I think what Daniel knew to thank God for was God's presence. How God had been with him year after year in this foreign land. Kings came and went, but God remained with him. So Daniel, thank God in prayer. Same for us, isn't it? Circumstances come and go. Bosses, presidents, pastors. But God remains. Let's be prayerful and thankful like Daniel. Reading. Yes, sir. Thank you, thank you. Mm. Mm. Okay. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injection, O oh, king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast in the, the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Okay, I have lost my place on my page, so give me one, there we go. (laughs) Uh, First of all, these three men came, I found it, these three men came by agreement, that's that same word, they came, in a tumultuous thronging towards him again. And they said, look what happened. Look what happened. This Daniel, look what he's doing. They set a trap for Daniel, and it worked. He was caught. And now the king knew it too. So let's keep reading. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came By agreement, so thronging tumultuously again, to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. The king was trying to find a way out for Daniel. He was much distressed. (laughs) I know, it's crazy, isn't it? And he spent all day thinking how he could deliver Daniel how he could get around this law. But the men came up thronging towards him again and said, Remember, king, this law can't be undone. If you know anything about the Medes and Persians, they were very proud to be known as people of the law. It was considered a point of pride, that, and therefore they could not change the law once it happened. just didn't happen. The king tried to find a way to no avail wasn't just Daniel who was trapped in a way so was Darius then the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions the king declared to Daniel may your God whom you serve continually deliver you and a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lord's that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. The pagan king told Daniel, the pagan king told Daniel, I hope that this God of yours delivers you, the one that you can't stop serving. I hope he'll deliver you. Darius had respect for Daniel, so much so that he couldn't sleep or eat. He was up all night. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the, mouth, from the lions? I just consider the scene. I mean, I just keep thinking about it. There had to have been others around. Don't you know they were shocked and amazed when Daniel said to the king, Oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. No wonder this is such a favorite story in scripture. I mean, it was amazing. It was miraculous. God's man was victorious. Daniel was alive. When the king asked, has your God been able to deliver you? Uh, When he put him in with the lions, he said, I hope your God will deliver you. And then he asked him, has your God been able to deliver you? Uh, When Daniel responded that he had, it told the world of that day and it tells us who God is. Here's your blank about God, one of them. God is our deliverer. And then what Daniel said even, I mean, he said, did you see it? It said, "Um, my God sent his angel shut the lion's mouth because I was found blameless before him. I think it's interesting that he said found blameless, not just blameless. He was found blameless before God. Daniel was a man. He was not without sin. He, like every man or woman apart from Christ, Whoever lived had sinned. And yet here it says he was found blameless. As I thought about why, I looked back at the passage and I thought, well, it's there in verse 23. No kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Daniel was found blameless. It's your next blank? And I included it because I think it's a picture of what happens to us when we trust Christ. We, too, are found blameless by the Holy God, not because we're sinless, but because we trust in Jesus who paid the price for our sin. God was Daniel's deliverer. And he's our deliverer too. And when we trust him, he finds us, us, blameless. I love these verses that remind us of God's deliverance and our state once we've been delivered by him. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, Colossians 1. Or God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our God, Daniel's God, is our deliverer, and he calls us righteous, blameless, forgiven, redeemed. Because of Christ. One more thing I found interesting about Daniel being found blameless is... Well, it echoes back to something we learned in our first week about Daniel. Who remembers what Daniel's name means? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. It means God is my judge. Remember we looked at all the different names... Daniel's name means God is my judge. We began with recognizing that Daniel's very name reflected that God alone was the judge. And now here in this last week, we see that the judge with the capital J, the judge, found our hero Daniel blameless because he trusted in that one to judge him. He didn't trust in the, the world, the government. He trusted in The judge to judge him. As Pastor Don said, may we be do the same. It's a wonderful picture of God being Daniel's judge. And speaking of pictures, this story portrays another picture. I want us to talk for just a minute about how Daniel is a type of Christ. Now you may be asking, what is a type of Christ? Clearly, there is only one Messiah, one name under heaven by which we must be saved. Of that, there's no doubt, no question. But what we mean when we say a type of Christ is, it's on your listening sheet too as well as on the screen. It's an impression made by a person, an object, or an event in the Old Testament that foreshadows the coming of the Messiah in his person or his work. So let's think about Daniel as a type of Christ. He was blameless. He was found blameless. Our Savior Jesus was sinless. Totally sinless. He was false. Daniel was falsely accused by the leadership. By the satraps, the high officials. He was falsely accused. Jesus was falsely accused by the scribes and Pharisees. He was let down by a weak ruler. This Darius who really wanted to put him over everything. He said he wanted to figure out a way to deliver him, but in the end, he just let it happen. Pilate said he wanted to deliver Jesus, but in the end, he washed his hands of it. He was delivered over to death. Daniel was delivered over to what seemed to be certain death in the, by throwing him to the lions. Jesus was delivered over to real death. (laughs) He died. He died for you and for me. He was sealed in by a stone. Did you catch that part? The the stone was put in place over the den, just like the stone was put in place and sealed our Savior's tomb. And then finally, and most importantly probably, (laughs) that Daniel was delivered by the power of God. Just as Jesus was delivered by the power of God when God raised him from the dead. Isn't it cool to see how God reveals his plan in bits and pieces all through the Old Testament. So that when Jesus came, we could miss it. Although some of us did. (laughs) But you, you would think we'd be ready. Well, back to the story. There was quite a reaction to Daniel's deliverance. So let's read our final section here. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Again, we see here that our God is the deliverer, our rescuer, but this King Darius, much like Nebuchadnezzar from earlier in the book, responds to these uh, signs and wonders with praises for God, Daniel's God. And it's here that we're going to find two more things about God. In verse 26 and also back in verse 20, it says he is the living God. So our blank is God is alive. I want you to consider that for a moment. King Darius knew the difference. Remember the culture? It was pagan. It was polytheistic. There were false gods everywhere. Gods made of wood and stone. Gods who demanded horrific acts of violence and perversion. But those gods were not alive. Daniel's God was. Our God is. He is the living God who acts on behalf of those of us who trust in him. He is real. He is alive. Now, this particular word, Aramaic word, is is only used in Daniel, and it really just translates as living or alive or life. But other words are translated as that phrase, living God, over 30 times in Scripture. I just want you to listen to some of these instances. I didn't put it on your listening sheet or even up there, but I I just want it to remind you of God's aliveness. (laughs) It's a great word, isn't it? (laughs) Um, He was called the living God by the people who saw the fire when Moses met with God on the mountain to receive those Ten Commandments. He was called the living God when Joshua told the people that they would know who their God was when the Ark of the Covenant was carried into the Jordan River and the water stopped flowing. Twice in the story of David and Goliath, he was called the living God. In Acts, when Paul reminds those in Lystra to not worship him and Barnabas because of the miracles they were doing, but instead to worship the living God. Some of the epistles were called children or sons of the living God and that we're the temple of the living God. And, of course, when Peter gives his confession of who Christ is, he says, you are this Christ, the son of the living God. Guys, we worship not a little G God, but the living God. Jeremiah says it well in this passage, and I know I'm giving you so much scripture, but it just—I just I just couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop. So listen to this. Jeremiah 10 is so much, exactly what it was happening. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great and might. Who would not fear you, O King of the nations? For this is your due. For among all the wise ones of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. They are both stupid and foolish. The instruction of idols is but wood. Beaten silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Euphaz. They are the work of the craftsmen and of the hands of the goldsmith. Their clothing is violet and purple. They are all the work of skilled men. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes and the nations cannot endure his indignation. He is alive. And our last blank about God is also in this Jeremiah passage, as well as in Darius' words after Daniel's deliverance. Here in Jeremiah, he says he is the everlasting king. In Daniel, Darius says in verse 26, That he endures forever. So I want to tell you that God is eternal. Eternal. He has no beginning or end. Just as he was in Genesis 1 at creation, so he was with Daniel and with me. With you, with your children, with your grandchildren. He is everlasting. He endures forever. His love, his covenant, his kingdom has no end. He is the one who was and is and is to be. May that bring you comfort and hope that this living, eternal God did not forsake Daniel, and he will not forsake you. As a child of the living God, his presence will remain with you for all eternity. So I hope you learned a little bit more about this familiar story. It reminds us that amidst a deceitful, chaotic culture, we're to be prayerful and rejoice that in trusting God's provision of Christ Jesus, we too can be found blameless like Daniel. And of course, it reminds us to be thankful because the God we serve is the eternal living God. He is our great deliverer. Before we close tonight in our series, I do want us to take a quick look back at all that we've learned. So, on your listening sheet, it has all of them. I'll put it up here, too. I want to ask you to reflect and which of these things we learned the culture was one of desecration, it was pagan, it was self-absorbed, and deceitful. Which of those four things do you think is most prevalent today in our world today? there isn't a right answer just want to know what you think and self-absorbed self-absorbed why i didn't even know you were over there (laughs) Uh, oh It's all about me. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Did I hear a different one? All of you think self absorbed? That? Oh, you I would say pagan. Pagan. Self
1: absorbed is part of it, but I, it's also ungodly. Mm-hmm. So
0: secular. Okay. Mm. So Good. Not about God. Not about God. Anything and anyone can be our God if we want. Yeah. Deceitful. Why deceitful, Vicki? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Hard to know sometimes who is telling the truth. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. and Do you remember some of you who I don't think Chris was has been able to be here every week? But remember why we picked des- desecration the very first week it was because. They had, when Daniel was exiled, they took the items of the holy God out of the temple and brought them into their temple. So they took what was set aside, set apart for God, and desecrated it. Yeah. That and we did it. Like with the that we don't like. I
1: hadn't
0: thought about it in that way. Okay, well, I guess saying another one, but we've said all of them, so we'll move on. Daniel, what I want to know about Daniel is, this is a different question. The name of our series was Courage Amidst Chaos. But you notice I didn't even put courage as one of the, or courageous as one of the things about Daniel. There were all these others. He was wise and knowledgeable about God and man. He was resolved. He lived in community. He was honest. He shined. He found He was found blameless. And he was prayerful. What do these these have to do with courage? Do they have anything to do with courage? And if so, how? He's laid back courage? Laid back courage? Yeah, he didn't worry about mm. what was going on him because he had faith in his God. Mm, so good. He didn't worry because he had faith in his God. Mmm, that's excellent. I like that. Knowing who God is and who people are (laughs) and resolving ourselves to follow him, living in community among us, being honest, allowing God to shine through us, being found blameless in Christ, and being prayerful results in courage. Love that. Love that.
2: to other believers in mm-hmm. the body of Christ. But then there's also something about strength in the numbers that, gives, mm-hmm. you that gives you a boldness that you might not otherwise have mm-hmm. on your own. Mm-hmm. So I think that was really interesting amongst all, all of others.
0: them. Mm-hmm. And Daniel really did a little of both. There were times when he had to stand individually and go up and pray on his own uh, with the windows open towards Jerusalem. And then there were times when the reason we put it on here was the week where he called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego together and said, We need to pray because we're about to all be killed, remember? And um, we need to pray and called them together. So, so yeah, he did a little of both. And, and we have to, too. And we have to know when this the right time for each. Kay. Anything else about Daniel? Okay. Our long list. I don't even know if you could see all of them up there. But they're on your sheet as well. Our traits about God. Just living in community and being vulnerable now. <laughs> Which of these did you need to be reminded of most? Which did you find yourself thinking about most impactful to you? How?
1: so I, I'm still sorry I'm still answering question two, but I think prayer is an act of
0: prayer. I agree I agree and,
1: well, and don't you think that's where we get our
0: courage too because it comes from the Lord and we're in prayer with him
2: mm-hmm. asking
0: him fill us with that courage mm-hmm. and that strength. Mm-hmm. because that's you are my strength mm-hmm. you are my mm-hmm. strength so it takes courage to open yourself, submit yourself to God, and to come to Him in prayer. And He fills us with renewed courage for what we need. It's kind of like that scripture
1: that says he didn't wait and remember the need to give glory to God. All of us have one. Like, you have to sort of say, no I don't think those are true. I think that
0: And I I'm so grateful, Pastor, that you have had the courage to call this church to prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, somebody else? Darlene said patient. Another characteristic of God, that one that just really spoke to you through this. Hmm. When we need it. <laughs> Reveal it. He <laughs> is. It's it's part of the way that he provides for us. You know. It, it, yeah. To be honored. To be honored. Yes. And do you remember that week? It was that he, I couldn't figure out how to list it this way, but it was he will be honored. Whether we choose to give him honor or not, he will be honored. Yeah. yeah. I want to go back to Provider. Today in our, um, I think it was this morning, wasn't it this morning in our Exodus study, we were talking about um, our daily bread. And she made the point that, of course, the manna that is, was provided every day. And she made the point that that is, was their daily bread. And when we ask Jesus in the, pr- in, our, in the model prayer to give us our daily bread, we are asking for our physical sustenance. But that we're also asking for sanctification. That's another, our spiritual Food, so to speak, our spiritual bread. I, she said it much better, but it was really good. It was really good. Yes, Vicky. <laughs> mm-hmm. Our daily bread. We have to go to him every day and he provides because that's who he is. Kay? Somebody else? I'm still thinking about okay.
2: And you had told us that Darius couldn't change the decree because of the pride of the Medo Persians, and yet that's exactly what he does after he finds Daniel alive. And so it's interesting that his—you could say—in seeing Daniel alive and hearing Daniel's testimony, he saw the living God for who He really is, and mm-hmm. having that that encounter, you know. Mm-hmm. He
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So enjoyed being doing this with y'all. Thank you for being a part of this with us. Um, I do want us to pray together. um, And I think I'd like us to just talk to the Lord using some of these words. So would you just bow your heads? And let's be like Daniel and give thanks. So would you just, right where you are, just call out words. God, thank you that you are whatever. Okay? Could be one of these or it could be something else God brings to your mind. Go.